Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch if you like to listen live and even participate come on to stage comment in our back chat you can do that whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wednesday we have guests take the stage almost like an open mic on thursday we do live book reads and discussions and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Good morning, good morning, good morning, GM, 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 uh, Bez and Praxim, Jensa. Hope you guys are well. Um, I wanted to give you guys just a few uh, little updates. Had a thought about, I think I've got to like let that music just go a little bit more and then fade into Bolivian. I kind of like the background music. But I also know that sometimes the roadcaster and the actual microphone um the actual background music conflicts a little bit so uh, maybe we'll just leave it as it is so i was actually thinking i mean i remember uh brenda our mutual friend some of our mutual friends brenda um at once initially criticized or at least expressed some concern remember my concern is um which is now an opportunity about um you know having this collective cafe this coffee be too exclusive and uh, I said it's free and it always will be free. And then I was thinking yesterday that, you know, the first hundred regulars that come to the Collective Cafe, they should get the regular role. Like Norm walking into Cheers. Everyone walks in and everyone goes, Norm, Praxim, Bez, Jensa. And, but at some point, there are ultimately three ways to get in, right? One is to have a full membership pass. The other one is to have the entry-level pass. And the third is to be a regular. Now, you don't become a regular if you're not a regular. And I think, you know, if we look at um, the first 100 people that are considered regulars that have come in and out, even if I look at just 100 people that have come through the doors of this virtual coffee shop in in a period of six months, they're all going to get that status, which means they're all going to be able to get in. And uh, I think I'm comfortable with that. I think that's fair. I mean, I can always award a role. Um, let's just assume the entry-level uh, NFT is now uh, $100. That might now suddenly be too expensive for some people. So I'm never going to preclude someone who wants to be here. I'll find a way. I'll always find a way. But I do like the ability to eventually create something that's not overcrowded because that's the thing even yesterday the day before we had a really good conversation about this idea that if the four of us right now were in a coffee shop we'd be able to have a conversation with one another we'd be sitting around a table we'd be close enough to one another that we wouldn't be shouting we wouldn't feel like we're missing out on the conversation 
intimacy is is something that is so important. And, you know, how do you scale intimacy? A lot of people talk about that, but it's really hard to scale intimacy beyond a certain number, at, at least in a, in a live or an IRL uh, capacity. Um, so I think I'm going to move towards that, and I feel like fairly comfortable uh, about moving towards that. Um, today, the topic is called It's Wellness Wednesday, and the topic is the elephant in the room. Uh, not coincidentally, the poet for today is an elephant. For some reason, the Marriott in London has just elephants everywhere, which is weird because it's not Africa. It's, you know, Swiss Cottage. I don't know what the connection is to Marriott or to London or to Swiss Cottage uh, or to Safari or elephants. Um, but we can discuss that today, uh, the elephant in the room. What is the thing that doesn't get discussed that needs to be, that everyone is aware exists, and yet we choose to ignore it or we're too afraid to address it or, you know, it's it's just so, it, it almost like, it, it's almost awkward, but everyone is is recognizing it at the same time and therefore in a way you can almost, you can almost assume it doesn't exist even though it's there, even though it's a giant elephant a white elephant, a pink elephant, whatever the case may be. Um, but literally just before I came on to um, today's episode, uh, today's virtual coffee, my sister told me uh, about something that my mother had taught her. Obviously, my mother who's just passed, my mother was a coin dealer, and I've already forgotten one part, because, uh, one part of it, but she basically said a coin has three sides. I think it's the obverse, the subverse, and the rim. So I'll repeat that. Uh, A coin has three sides, the obverse, the subverse, and the rim. And I just thought to myself, wow, okay, there's something really powerful in that. The first thing that I thought of, the first obvious thing, was this idea of, you know, there are three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth. Let's just talk about that for a second. Your side, my side, and the truth. Um, I don't know that that statement's actually an accurate statement. Your side, my side, and the truth. Because it implies that your side is not the truth, and nor is mine. But what if your side was the truth and mine wasn't? What if mine was and yours wasn't? Why does it imply that there is a third side that is neither yours nor mine? Now, obviously, I know the answer. (laughs) I know the interpretation, which is the fact is you could almost rewrite that statement. There are three sides to every story, your truth, my truth, and the truth. We always hear today people saying, this is my truth. And it's become a bit of a weird statement right? This is my truth. It's almost like saying, well, these are my feelings and my feelings can't be wrong because they're my feelings. You can't criticize me for my feelings because they're my feelings. I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel angry. I feel mad. I feel jealous. I feel betrayed. It's my feelings. It's what I feel. You can't tell me what to think, how to feel. So we've, we've, I feel like started to, in this politically correct environment in this woke environment in this cancel culture um, which we're living in whether we live on the left side or the right side of the political equation we are dealing with this and it's almost become I feel like a bit of a a security blanket a, a safety net but actually like a like a crutch I feel like we we hide behind it this is my truth so back away so I'm living my, I'm being true to my truth. But what if my truth is actually a lie? What if when I say this is my truth, what if my truth is, in fact, is not everyone else's truth, the consensus truth? So I would, I would urge us to really think a little bit deeply about it, and and let's come up with an alternative or 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 a fix or a solve for it. When someone says this is my truth. They're saying, this is what I believe to be true. This is my interpretation. This is the context. This is my reality. I'm not going to hide behind it. I'm not going to use it as a shield 
but I'm also going to defend myself if you attack me. If it is not, how about you now tell me your truth and then let's find a compromise. Let's find a middle ground and that is the truth. Your truth, my truth and the truth. Now the truth might not actually be the truth. The truth is actually a compromised or a uh, an equilibrium, uh, a compromise of the two truths. Because if I tell you that I have a glass that is filled only halfway, 50%, of course, the interpretation, your truth is it's half empty, my truth is it's half full. What is the truth? Well, the truth in the, in the case is it's both. It's both half full and half empty. And so, you know, one of the things that I've always felt in my life is we don't question the norms, the rules. We don't, we lost that. We've lost that childlike curiosity, the ability to ask why. Why is it this way? Why can't it be a different way? Why can't, why isn't there a better solution? Because these are always, these are the way things have always been done. I don't make the rules. I just follow them. There's so many interpretations. And we never question the truth, the rules, the norm. We never push. We never try and find a better ground. And I, and I really do think that when we look at the statement, my truth, that I feel like we, I feel like we can do better. This is what I be, we need to be able to say, this is what I believe to be true, Help me understand if, in fact, I need to do a little bit of a pivot, a shift, a course correction, you know, maybe modify, evolve. Give me new information, new criteria, new evidence that would cause me or that would help me move a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right or a little bit forward or even a little bit backwards as opposed to say, This is my story, you know the phrase, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Didn't Norm used to always, Norm MacDonald, the late Norm MacDonald, always used to say in his weekend update, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. We should never stick to our story. We should be able to be always open to evolving the story, to adding to the story, to continuing the story. Every ending is in every ending to, to a story opens up a new beginning or continuation of the story, a sequel. The close of a chapter opens up a new chapter. Maybe when you think you finish the book, there is an addendum, an appendix, you know, a uh, not, not a uh, preface, uh, not a preface, uh, uh, what do you call it, a forward, but an afterward. I actually put an afterward instead of a forward into... Uh, well, I didn't write it, but there was an afterword in one of my books. I can't remember which one. Um, but I feel like that's what we need to do. One of the things that really has always, uh, you know, there's so many things that have that annoy me in life. I, I'm not like a like a constantly an annoyed person, but you know, and I've said this before that I hate the. But if we do this for you, we have to do it for everyone. I'm like, well, I don't see everyone around, so. So why, so, you know, so that annoys me. Uh, what also annoys me is the ability for us to, um, all of us agree to play by the same flawed rules. Because that's the story of the 30-second spot. You know, that is the story of, of basically everyone saying, well, we know that the GRP, the gross rating point, or the TRP, the target raising, we, are, we understand that the way that we measure television uh, viewership is based on, I mean, I don't know where it is now, but it was always panel-based. Um, some people had monitors in the room. Some people had to fill out a diary. Some people used to get phone calls and report on what they watched and whether they were paying attention or not. And, and at the end of the day, even with the Super Bowl, they say viewership was 120 million or whatever the number is. But... They can't prove that, in fact, 120 million people were watching. They don't have the technology. They don't have the data. They might have the data through streaming now. But in terms of like a television set, I don't think they do. But let's, let's assume they do now. You know, I've been 
you know, I've been uh, complaining about the industry for long enough. Maybe the technology is there now with, you know, smart connected TVs, etc., etc. So let's just assume it's true. So now you've got 120 million people watching. Um, is the sound up or is the sound down? Or is the sound up, but there's just laughter, cheering, talking, you know, and so you can't even hear the sound. Are people all watching the screen or are they talking to one another? Are they looking away? Are they in the kitchen? Are they moving around? Are all 120 million sets of eyeballs glued to the screen? I think not. You know, hearing the sound perfectly. And what about the fact that they're, they've all been drinking? Are they paying attention? And even if they are paying attention and not drunk and the sound is loud and they're not talking and they're all focused, you know, when you see an ad that has absolutely no relevance for you whatsoever. Look, if you are a Christian, then Jesus saves, you know, or, or you know, I think Jesus knows me. Um, that's a very relevant message. That's retention. That's validation. If you are a Christian, or maybe you're a lapsed Christian, or you're, you've you've strayed, or you've you've you know you've diluted your beliefs over the years. Maybe you're struggling. You have a a crisis of confidence. Then it's a perfect ad for you. But what if you're an atheist? What if you're agnostic? What if you're Jewish? What if you're Muslim? So even in that situation, you know. You, even if you get right to the end, you still are looking at a fraction of people that are watching, paying attention, not drunk, you know, uh, not being drowned out by the, the noise, etc., etc., etc. Now, one might argue, just to like stay on the tangent for just a little bit, mo- a little bit more, that sometimes you've got to play the numbers. Sometimes you've got to be able to build in and, and embrace waste, an acceptable level of waste. Well, yes, I know that we're probably only going to actually connect, not reach, but connect. My model that I came up with 20 years ago, reach, connect, effect. Get your message in front of someone. Get them to pay attention, engagement. That's the connect and then effect. Have some kind of a, a reaction or an action. Even if it's just swiping left or or you know, uh, scanning a QR code or signing up for an email or actually going and buying or joining or going to church in this particular case. Reach, connect. In fact, you, you might be able to say, we get it. We are potentially reaching 120 million people. We know that we are actually reaching much less. We know that we are actually connecting with even less. And we know that we are actually affecting with much less. But actually... That's good. That will allow us, those 10 million people out of the 120, we would never have had a snowball's chance of being able to deliver this emotive, this message, this story, this uh, ask or offering or value proposition. So we're okay with that. And so sure, if the cost of a Super Bowl is $7 million, and so the effective uh, cost of connecting with them, therefore is 10x that, 70 million divided by 10 million, you know, $7 per, that might be the deal of the century. So let's bring that back for a second with this idea of your truth, my truth, and the truth. Recognizing that there is, first of all, truth in everything, everything and everyone. Every single time somebody says something, there is no way that there is that it's a hundred percent false. If we actually brought that thought to the table, I think our political situation in the US could improve by like sixty to seventy-three percent. That is completely I just pulled that out of nowhere. Um, by the way, Tim says the Nielsen guesstimate that every house that has it that has it has it on and ten people per house are focused on the ad. So there you go. Um so 10 people per house are focused on the ads. Okay. Um, and I wonder how many people did watch this year. So I did that and I just lost my train of thought. So I was talking about, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, truth, right? Is it possible that, that every time 
let's use let's just use Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Let's use Donald Trump and Joe Biden, the last two elections here. Is it possible that Donald Trump is 100% wrong and Hillary was 100% right? Is it possible that Donald Trump was 100% right and Hillary was 100% wrong? It is impossible. Statistically, factually, on every basis, impossible. And yet we discount the massive, massive problem that came out of this global pandemic was the fact that when one side said masks are good, the other said masks are bad. When one side said masks were bad, the other side said masks were good. And so it was just an absolute, pardon my French, but a shit show. Because we didn't actually, when we heard Joe Rogan, you know, and, and we heard everyone talking about, for example, obesity, that actually this seemed to do much, this disease, this pandemic seemed to do a lot better, in other words, affect people a lot worse for people that were unhealthy, that were not living healthy lives and healthy lifestyles. But we discounted it if we did not subscribe to their world beliefs, their truth, because our truth was different to their truth. Instead of realizing that there was a third truth, the truth, or just a compromise. You know, it's like going to a buffet. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of a little bit of that, a little bit of this. I have some salad. I'll have some egg salad. I'll have some potatoes. I'll have some green beans. I'll take a little bit of chicken. Instead, it's all or nothing with us. Your truth or my truth. Binary. Take it or leave it. You know, one of the things that lawyers do so well is they know that that. You know, the jury has to come back with a verdict beyond a reasonable doubt. And so in, in, in many respects, all they have to do is just plant a seed of doubt. You will always hear them say the phrase, is it possible? Is it possible that this could have happened? Is it possible that somebody else could have done this? Well, the minute that you realize it is possible... Well, then you can start to calculate probability. You know, is it possible that a Martian came back in the middle of the night and abducted this person through a beam ray? Well, it's possible, but it's highly, highly improbable and unlikely. In this particular case, you know, you're going to have to work a little bit harder. But is it possible that, that I might be wrong? Is it possible that you might be wrong? Or let's eliminate those words. Not wrong. Is it possible that there could be a middle ground? Of course. You know, when, when two people are having challenges with a relationship, and I'm no psychologist and I do not play one on TV, one of the best ways to do it is to be able to say before, you know, you know the old saying, because this is mental, uh, you know, we're talking about mental health, it's Wellness Wednesday. Do you want to be right or do you want to be kind? Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Because if you want to be right, then you will fall on your sword. Then it is about your truth. Then it is about right and wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. I win, you lose. It is zero sum. It is binary as opposed to one of the first things that I would recommend is being able to say, before I defend myself and before you tell me how I'm wrong and you tell me about all the things that I could do better, I'm going to tell you about the merit in your argument. I see your point with X, Y, and Z. I agree with you on A, B, and C. I absolutely understand your perspective on these things. Now here is mine. Is it possible that there is a middle ground? Is it possible that of the 10 things that we've put on the table, that you keep three, I keep three, and we negotiate on the other four? That's what we were discussing the other day. The red, the yellow, the green. What is non-negotiable what is completely negotiable, 
What is mandatory and what is variable? What is fixed and what is optional? That's how we move away from the idea of your truth, my truth. Zero-sum binary, either or. As opposed to end, which is not even the truth, but maybe our truth. How's that for a build? Your truth, my truth, and our truth. Our truth, in fact, may not be the truth. It just may be our truth. And it is as subjective as your truth and my truth. But it is our compromised truth. It is our combined truth. It is our negotiated truth. It is our mutual truth. And therefore, just like feelings, you can't be wrong and I can't be wrong. Or we can both be wrong together or we can both be right together because we both want the same things. Everything should be negotiable. Almost everything should be negotiable. There are some things that are non-negotiable. But we will also find throughout our lives that things that we believed were non-negotiable, in fact, were negotiable. As we grow, as we learn, as we expand our horizons, as we pick our battles, as we go through life change, as we go through our own trauma and tragedy, we realize the things that we were fighting for may not have been worth fighting for, or that there are other priorities that suddenly, out of nowhere, take center stage. I mean, if we didn't learn that from the global pandemic, then we learned nothing. If we didn't learn about the fragility of life, that's why I'm so focused today on eradicating autocratic leaders, leaders that abuse their power, my way or the highway. I'm, I'm also not in favor of, you know, the inmates running the asylum. I've, I'm not a fa- I, I'm, I don't believe DAOs at the moment, for the most part, are working models. I think there's still, it's the, it's the classic example of centralization versus decentralization. We can't quite decide who we are, your truth and my truth. Your truth is centralization, mine is decentralization. There's got to be a middle ground. What is our truth when it comes to how decisions are made? Right now, in our collective cafe, you've chosen for me to be the speaker. You've chosen for me to talk for most of an hour, sometimes all of the hour. But you also know you can talk. You also know, you should know, that you have the ability to change the subject or come up and ask a question or put something in the cafe chat. But that takes time when we find our feet, when we find our authentic voice, when we, would, when we determine who is the leader, what is the leader. If nobody wants to be the leader, that can be just as bad as an autocratic leader or an ineffective leader. So leadership is still really, really important. But it really depends on how we learn and how we ask questions and how and, and feedback. You know, again, from a parenting standpoint, I've, I've used this, and my mother-in-law taught me this, is don't say to a child, what do you want for dinner? Ask them, do you want pasta or chicken for dinner? Give them a choice. Don't put it on them. Also, if you say, what do you want for dinner? And they say, I'd like hot dogs. You're going, well, you can't have hot dogs. Why? Well, we don't have hot dogs. Well, okay. Well, then why did you ask me what I wanted for dinner? Or what about, I'd like a hot dog. No, you can't have a hot dog. Hot dogs are unhealthy. But why did you ask me what I wanted for dinner? Instead, the best way to lead as a parent, as a manager, as the host of Alpha Collective, is give people a choice. Or if you do want to ask an opening question, 
then you better be able to react or act or deliver on the open-ended question or at least tell them why you can't and set up their expectations. So it's about 8.30 and just to remind you, the code for the POAP today is ELEPHANT and that will be available from 8.59 to 9.14 today. So as we wind down or wind up, um, the elephant from the Marriott Hotel in in London, I, I'm actually now, I've also just, uh, I'm going to just keep on finding different images every day rather than just, you know, go with the mug uh, with different with different uh, changes. So that's a little bit of a an added bonus and spice uh, for our poaps. And soon I'm going to start just creating little poaps with little bits of hidden uh, Easter eggs inside them as well. I'll come back to the elephant in the room, but I want to talk about this thing that my mom said. There's the ob- the ob- the obverse, the subverse. In other words, the one side of coin, the heads, I guess, the tails, uh, and then the rim. What is the rim in the story? Two sides of a coin. Actually, there's a third. There's the rim. What is the rim? What is the rim in this analogy? Your side of the story is the head. My side of the story is the tail. The rim is maybe the reading between the lines. The rim is the actual connector, if you think about it. You take away the rim, what brings the two sides together? What binds them together? The rim is, in a way, a perspective. Right? It's on the outside of the coin. It's on the outside of the coin. So it's a, a little bit more perspective, a little bit more objectivity. Perspective from stepping back, standing back, being on the outskirts, on the outside looking in. How many times have we heard this idea of, I'm so close to it. I've lost my perspective. I'm too close to it at the moment. I can't see the wood for the trees. I can't be objective. I need to step back. I need to take a step back. We need to bring in an outsider. That's why it's so important. That's why consultants exist for the most part, not just because they're subject matter experts, but because they come in and they're objective experts, independent experts. What else can we tell about the room? Well, the room is the room is shared. So the rim is shared. The rim doesn't belong to the head or the tail. So it might actually be this idea of um, a very, you know, if we if we had to almost, if you think about it, um, reskin the coin, it would actually be a Venn diagram. Quite perfectly, actually, because your side, the head, would be a circle. My side, the tail would be a circle, and the overlap, the points at which they come together, that middle ground, the perimeter, but also maybe the area inside, would be the rim. Your side, my side, our side, our shared side, our shared truths. So when it comes to being able to negotiate, maybe that's the starting point. Instead of being able to say, I believe, this is what I, this is my non-negotiable, this is what I will fall on the sword, this is my deal breaker. Instead, maybe the better part to say is, let's start off by talking about what we both have in common, what we both believe, and what we both want. And then figure out what's stopping us from getting there. Because the the reality is what's stopping us from getting there is each other, ourselves, our non-negotiables. It seems like a better place to begin by saying, where do we want to you know, begin with the end in mind? Tim says, the rim is only seen when you change your perspective. Absolutely. The rim is so thin that you might miss it. 
the rim is impo- invisible when you are only looking at your perspective. Quite frankly, the rim is also invisible when you're looking at the other person's perspective because that's not a win either. That's when, you know, you're too benevolent, selfless, sacrificial. That doesn't work either. If you live your life for other people, then you're also not living... Not only are you not living your truth, you're now living somebody else's truth. You're living their reality. And if you take care of them and not yourself, you know that, I mean, I've said I don't love the analogy of the oxygen, the the masks falling from the plane. Put your mask on first before you help others. I just don't like it. It might be true, but I don't like it. I don't think there are any scenarios where I would attempt to help myself in that situation before helping my wife, my kids, you know, if I was traveling at the time with my mother. I would take care of someone who couldn't take care of themselves. I get why that's not the right answer. I get it. Head, you know, head is thumbs up on that one. Heart is thumbs down on that one. In the moment... It's like when I was mugged in Amsterdam. I only knew how, I didn't know how I was going to react until I was mugged. Or at least a knife was being stuck into my belly and I was calm as a cucumber. Didn't know how I was going to react when I heard my mom had passed until it happened. Surreal. I could have broken down and fallen to the floor and, and been a basket case. I could have been stoic. I was somewhere in the middle. But I didn't know. Until it happened. So if you live your life for other people, if you're completely selfless, it's just as bad as being completely selfish. Because you will never take care of your needs and therefore the the the, the regret, the you know, the resentment, there's lots of aura things that come up into play. You know, that's why as a parent, you can't live your life for your kids. Because at some point, you have to let go. You know that wonderful saying, if you love someone, set them free. If they were yours, they'll return to you as they were meant to. And if they don't, they were never yours to start off with. Well, our children are not ours. We don't control them. We have some control over them until their 18th birthday. But then at some point... We have to start to figure out how to let them go. And that also means allowing them to fail, which kills us, crushes us. But that which does not kill us makes us stronger. So that's a great, great build, uh, Tim. The rim is only seen when you change your perspective. When you change your perspective. And the thing about the rim, you know, it's, it's so weird now with coins going out of business, and I'm talking about coins as currency, not, not you know, collector coins, but we're forgetting about that tactile feeling of holding money, the jingling, the, you know, very sensory. Coins that smell, generally disgusting smell, you know, like, you know, thinking of whose hands they'd been in before, good, bad, and ugly, um, the touch but the other thing, I wouldn't advise the tasting, um, but the other thing that's interesting is the rim is often rough, jagged, ridges. It's also designed to help blind people. I would imagine that that would be the reason, but also just, you know, differentiation. Different coin sizes, different coin uh, weights, right? A gold coin versus a silver coin, and maybe coins of similar size, different ridges. So the rim, the ridge of the rim, is also part of the rim, and it isn't smooth. It's kind of rough, and maybe that's part of this wonderful analogy that our perspective, our story, our truth is not a perfect truth, 
It's actually an imperfect truth because life is not perfect. So we have the ability now to, warts and all, embrace this new reality. If you think about a marriage, opposites attract two different coins. United, two different sides of the coin, of the same coin, but united by the rim, the rough rim, the thin rim. The thin rim that is there for a purpose. To realize that, that hey, it's never going to be a smooth ride, but we'll do it together. We'll figure it out together. Praxim says, the ridges for coins started to prevent theft of shaving off precious metals from very long ago. The ridges of coins started to prevent theft of shaving off precious metals from very long ago. That's so interesting. Maybe you're the coin dealer in the, uh, in the collective cafe and I'm not. This is one of those times I wish my mother was here so she could, uh, she could uh, set us straight with the truth, right? Hey, Praxim, nice try, buddy, but... No, I'm kidding. Um, your side, my side, and the truth. What's also interesting is that... Let's use that. Let's run with that for a moment. That may have been why it started, but what it became could have been something else. I'm pretty sure it didn't start off as an act of benevolence and kindness to blind people because I don't think blind people mattered much in, at the start. I don't think we were that, um, had that much empathy for people that were minorities or constituents or, or constituencies or had disabilities. So that's the other thing that's interesting about truth is that it can morph and change with new information, new stimulus, new, uh, new facts, new mindfulness, new realizations as well. So let's go back to finally the topic, the elephant in the room. What's your, what's your story? What's your elephant in the room? Whether it's in your family, your, your work environment, a community, a Web3 community that you belong to. What is the giant elephant in the room that also sometimes lays the giant turd in the room? Excuse my crassness. And everyone sees it and everyone knows it, but no one speaks up. Everyone is afraid to address the elephant in the room. Let me remind you, there's another saying that says, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. Sometimes you can't take... Maybe the reason why nobody addresses the elephant in the room is because the elephant is so damn large. And if everyone in the room tried to push the elephant, you're probably not going to succeed because that elephant is probably bigger than everyone in the room. And if the elephant decides to swing its trunk and kick out and stomp or charge, there's going to be some collateral damage. So I'm thinking very metaphorically and laterally now. I'm not really sure exactly if there is a solve, a literal solve for a metaphorical challenge. But I guess the first step towards recovery is for everyone to accept the elephant in the room. That becomes, I guess, our truth. Our truth is there's an elephant in the room and we just have to accept or reject, but do it together. And maybe there are other solutions. What if we just don't feed the elephant in the room? What if we ignore the elephant in the room? What if we open the door and patiently wait for the elephant to lose interest and leave the room? What if we went to another room? What if we learn to love the elephant? What if we trained the elephant? What if we Freudianly 
manipulated the elephant. I don't know. I'm just literally, you know, thinking out loud here and doing some lateral thinking. Some of those lost ideas are dumb, but I do like the idea of why do we assume the elephant will always be in the room? Open the door. Distract the elephant. I don't know. Put some ripe bananas outside the room. And when the elephant leaves the room, shut the door. I kind of like the idea of going to a new room. But you don't get to recovery if you don't all recognize the elephant in the room. I think that's got to be the starting point because if you have some people, and I'm really you know, extending this metaphor to the, to, a, to the point of no return. But if a bunch of people are seeing a little, you know, cute buck or, or bunny rabbit, when in actual fact it is a giant elephant in the room, you've got big problems. If everyone sees an elephant, but some see it as a friend and some see it as a foe, some people see it as an impediment or an obstacle, others see it as a beautiful source of decoration, you got a problem. You don't have as big a problem, but now you have to get to the rim. Now you have to get to the, the our truth. Now you have to get to acceptance. There are some things we like about the elephant and some things we don't like about the elephant, but ultimately the elephant is here to stay and we have to accept. I don't know that I necessarily subscribe to that uh, scenario, but it's a scenario doesn't matter what I think. doesn't matter, you know, I can always leave the room myself too. Now let's bring it home and talk about Wellness Wednesday and mental health. It's just got to work for us. At the end of the day, or for me at the start of the day, when I think about the Collective Cafe, I think about did I leave better... Did I leave better than when I came in? Did I leave this room? I don't believe there was an elephant in the room. There's just an elephant POAP. I see an owl. I see a pussycat. I see a giraffe. And now we're just going to have to determine whether when I said pussycat, we were referring to bears, Tim, or Jensa. I'm going to just leave that open-ended. But that's important as well. Like ultimately, are you, was this, and I've said this many times, did this feed your soul or did it starve your soul? Did it feed your heart or did it starve your heart? Were you more or less inspired now at 8.48 than at 7.59? For me, even though I, I, I still kind of like being very honest, I... I don't know how I talk for an hour every morning. Sometimes like I'm, I'm desperate for some help. But I keep going. And I think I keep going also because I'm used to recording podcasts and, and basically staring at a wall. Here I'm not staring at a wall. Every now and then I get unbelievable stimulus from you. Every single comment today, you know, from Tim and from Praxim, you know, spawned, a whole new branch with, with you know, leaves and flowers and new perspective that allowed us to build on this truth or build on this story and create something quite beautiful. Maybe what we ended up doing was decorating the elephant, putting a beautiful rug, you know, as they do, a little basket to ride, some flowers. I'm thinking uh, very much, you know, what you would see in India. I'm going to see if I can find a photo. India, um, elephant decorated. I definitely have a very specific image in my mind right now. Um, and uh, But I want a real photo. Wow, this is exactly what I was kind of thinking. Let me post this one into the back chat. Yeah, we decorated the elephant. There you go. I mean, there are many of them. Um, 
So yeah, we 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 actually we didn't put lipstick on a pig. We put a rug on an elephant. So yet another interpretation. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking like I wish that this was the poap now, um, but it isn't. It's still the elephant at at the Marriott as well. You know, everything has to come down to this concept of mental health. And again, I don't think mental health should also be taboo. It shouldn't be like my truth is as a as a crutch or you know, safety blanket. But we need to address the first part of that is to be able to articulate and share and say how we feel without being shamed or shouted at or shouted down or humiliated or ostracized. I believe it is a almost life's journey to be able to understand mental health. And again, I'm no professional. Sometimes it's the right time, the right place, the right people, the right context, and sometimes it isn't. But I do think it is you know mental health is 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 also has become a little bit of a cliche thrown thrown around a bit too easily we we you know it's like diversity equity and inclusion like dei we throw the words without necessarily being able to back them up or walk the talk or you know demonstrate some um some substance behind this you know the style it looks like a house, but it's a house of cards. So for me, one interpretation is this idea of, do I feel a little bit better about myself? Do I feel a little bit better about the world? Am I a little bit more at peace? Am I happier? Have I learned something? Am I able to move forward if I was stuck? All of these things. Sometimes a win is actually just to stand still. Not always. Most of the time, probably not. But sometimes just status quo can be good. Sometimes we need to take a break. And that's why I kind of, I love even the dynamic of our time together. Because you don't have to be forced to have to talk and perform. You can also just take a break and listen, either live or afterwards. But Bez, I see you've snuck onto stage. Security didn't manage to, uh, you know, catch you in time. Um, what's going on, my friend? Well, I, I I wanted you said you might need help some days. You're struggling, so not today. I'm you on know, fire today. I'm joking. You're on fire today. Okay. I'm joking. Uh, I want I wanted to share something, but did you say um, there was a poap today with an elephant or something? I did. I did. Eight fifty nine to nine fourteen. Um, it will be available. Secret and and it's elephant? It is elephant. It is the elephant in the room. Lowercase, any uppercase? Always lowercase and always one okay. word until I tell you otherwise. All right, all right. Hey, um, I wanted to share uh, in the chat, if you scroll up to yesterday, um, I um, have been invited by the American uh, Marketing Association of Boston to do a Twitter chat at 6 p.m. I'll go on for an hour. They have 12 questions for me, so it's a lot. Um, But um, at 7 o'clock, there's a Twitter space. So all those links are in the, if you scroll up uh, to yesterday, you'll see it. Um, So, hey, yeah, pull up, stop by, um, you know, support if you can. So I just wanted to share that with you because it's, it's um, it may be relevant to many of you, and the topic really uh, that we're going to be focused on is recruiting marketers. And so, just wanted to share that with uh, the good people of the Alpha Collective. Lovely, lovely. So, six p.m. is the chat, and seven to seven thirty today. Um, I will do my best to attend, and I'll also. Um retweet it as well so please uh, make sure just you know throughout the day tag me and uh and tag alpha collective and yeah and we'll we support one another there you go there you go no thank you you can address the elephant in the room in the uh, in the after party 
<laughs> yeah. All right. I know it's good to have you back in the swing of things. And I was thinking um, while you were t- talking about um, your mom, well, to her, what a coin was, or the, the three different sides. And um, maybe she had a lot of wisdom for what is going on with cryptocurrency that, um, you know, I don't know if you were able to tap into, but I'm sure she probably had a thought or two that would be quite valuable. You know, it's, it's, it's so interesting to me because now when I look at the coin, her coins, her being a coin dealer, um, I realize, well, you know, here we are. Like, even though I always said I never liked the coin business, uh, the Jaffe coin, uh, you know, which is a token, a non-fungible token, you know, I think maybe I, maybe I always was, what they call it, uh, I was a poet and I didn't know it. I was a coin dealer and I didn't know it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wish I could ask her for her wisdom now on this idea of wealth and holding and hodling and hoarding and, you know, and, and perceived value. Um, I'd like to believe that I have it inside me. I just have to now figure out how to, uh, how to uncover it. Or maybe, you know what I mean? It's like I, I, have, I have the genes uh, inside me because remember at mm-hmm. the end of the day uh, and I think she did she did say this and it's so true um, the value of anything is is only is solely based on what someone's prepared to pay for it that's it I mean she said it other people have said it it's not not her own insight or piece of wisdom but it's all subjective just like Bring it back to today's topic, the truth, your truth and my truth. It's subjective. You know, there is no objective objectivity. The objectivity is a perspective. The objectivity is the rim, right? But it is, it is, a, it is a thin, you know, it's a thin line. It's a thin piece of reality. And sometimes... As they say, there is a fine line between genius and madness. There's a fine line between a relationship that works and one that doesn't, between best friends and worst enemies. It's also recognizing that, you know, if life is a game of inches, life is also all about the rim versus the sides. It is about the perimeter. It is about the fine lines. It's about the nuance. It's about the ability to realize that, that, yeah, I mean, our reality often is we are balancing on a precipice. Um, and we need to recognize that, not be debilitated by it, but also kind of sometimes just recognize the subtlety and the fragility of life, of, of friendship, of relationships, of connection. Um, so so I, I'm, I'm going to have to... Uh, and I have to figure out, you know, it's almost like kind of, um, you know, she's going to have to come to me in dreams and tell me whether I was on track or not. Um, Tim says, we're working with a client in the defense space on a major change effort, and the client has developed a challenge coin for their users, and once they make the transition, they get them. Yeah, because a coin, I could almost argue that the coin, in fact, is a medal, which was the other side of my mother's business, coins and medals, a badge, which could also be called, say it with me, people, a POAP, which is now available, 8.59 to 9.14. Perfect way to round up and, and, uh, and round out. Have an amazing Wednesday. Tomorrow we're, we're turning the ship around. Uh, loving, loving, loving this. And I'm going to reach out again to the author and just say, come on by, come swing by um, and, and join us. Join this little family, this little intimate family growing uh, slowly but surely. And remember, I, as I said, I kind of like this idea that says, hey, for all of you that are listening to the podcast and discovering, if you want to be able to come in live, you just need to be one of the first hundred and you will pretty much be one of the first hundred. So no FOMO, um, just, just you know, it is what it is. Uh, Bez, Praxim, Jensa, Tim, Chris, have an amazing day and I will see you all tomorrow. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? 
Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.